This is Main Thing Radio with Pastor Robert Fountain of Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. Join us as Pastor Robert teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. Nobody argued about the existence of this Jesus. And second, they all affirmed the fact that he died. There's no question about that. Now, the reason that's important, listen to me, this time of year, especially, without fail, just before Easter, you watch, just as sure as I'm sitting here, CNN, Fox, Time Magazine, Newsweek, you're going to start seeing so-called Christian scholars questioning the resurrection. Why do we question the resurrection? In today's message from Pastor Robert, he teaches us through the book of Acts that the people in that day didn't question the existence of Jesus. No one argued whether or not he existed and died. They knew. Today, we have people questioning the resurrection. Jesus has indeed risen. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. And here's Pastor Robert in the book of Acts chapter 25 with today's message. Therefore, he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there's any fault in him. And when he remained among them more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? Now, some commentators use that as proof that Festus was actually weak. He was, he, you know, he, he had no spine. He wasn't a, a solid ruler. That's not what's taking place here. There was simply a pragmatic acknowledgement that he, he had a, an, kind of a difficult dynamic, a difficult problem to deal with here, because he recognized that the Apostle Paul was a citizen of the Roman Empire, some special rights uh, involved there, but he was also Jewish. It would have been a problem for potentially, I mean, remember, Felix has just been recalled to Rome. He has been, or he's going to be banished. I mean, it's like the handwriting's on the wall. Felix messed this up, and, and he's left a hornet's nest behind, and now Festus has to deal with it. And he's like, listen, you know, I don't understand all this stuff. I don't know all the, uh, the ins and outs. I don't know the details. You're a Roman citizen, but you're also Jewish. I mean, these are, these are the Jewish leaders, the high priest, the ruling council. Would you be willing? Let's, we'll go back to Jerusalem, but I'll sit. I'll be the one making the final decision. It's a reasonable, you know, okay, let's do it this way. But Paul understands what's going on. Verse 10, so Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews, I've done no wrong, as you very well know. 
For if, if I'm an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. What a statement. And, and, and you see, the unique thing is that Paul meant it. That's what's unique about the statement. This was, this was not just, you know, a, a, a guy shooting his mouth off. Listen, if I've done anything where I should be executed, execute me. Now, most people, you know, you say that, but then when they come with the, you know, the firing squad, wait, 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 wait. I didn't mean it. Let's cut a deal. Paul meant it. Paul wasn't afraid of death. He was ready to die if need be. But he says, I, if there's nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Caesar was their appellate court. They had a right in the Roman Empire. Any Roman citizen had the right to have his case heard by Caesar himself. And he says, no, 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 I, I know what these guys have in mind. I know what they're up to. I understand that, that you know, you don't yet, but I, I get it. I'm not going to Jerusalem. There's nothing to be served. At this point, Paul understood there was nothing to be accomplished. They weren't listening to him. They had completely written him off. The only thing they had in mind was the ambush. They had tried it once already. He said, no, time for me to go to Rome. Verse 12, then Festus, when he conferred with the council, answered, you've appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go. And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. Now, without going into a long, boring explanation about what's happening here, King Agrippa the second, Herod Agrippa the second, was one of the Herods. There were several. He was a member of a family that the emperor had given them, an earlier emperor had conferred upon them the title king. He was basically another Roman governor. Bernice was his sister, his half-sister. But they were a little closer than brothers and sisters are supposed to be, if you follow my meaning. Um, this was an incestuous relationship. She was something else. Apparently, historians say, figure she's about 30, give or take, 31 or 2, when this is taking place. And she just basically ended up, you know, bouncing from man to man to man to man to man to man. I think Agrippa II was number three in a line of about seven or eight. So she's there. This is the first state visit, if you will. Festus has just come in. He's taken over responsibility for Judea. Agrippa was in a, a nearby, he had, you know, governing responsibility in a nearby region. And, and so they come in for this official visit to greet Festus. Verse 14 says, when they'd been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, there's a certain man left a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for a judgment against him. See, at this point, Festus realizes Agrippa and Bernice are Jewish. Maybe they can give me some insight here. Maybe they have some understanding. And so he's, he's going to, you know, ask for some advice, ask for some, some input. Verse 16, to them I answered, it is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accusers face to face and has an opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. Therefore, when they had come together without any delay, the next day I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. When the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such thing as I supposed, but had some questions against him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. 
And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. But when Paul appealed to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. So the next day, when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp and had entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city, at Festus' command, Paul was brought in. Now, think about everything that's taken place here. There are a couple of things I want to draw your attention to. One, Festus expected some serious charges to be brought. He thought, you know, that they, that they were going to be these big, serious Roman criminal offenses. And, and, and then when they came in, these were doctrinal issues. And so he's, he's, he's thinking, I don't know, I don't know about this stuff. I, this, this is, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? But the other thing that's striking about this passage is that nobody argued about the existence of this Jesus. And second, they all affirm the fact that he died. There's no question about that. Now, the reason that's important, listen to me, this time of year, especially, without fail, just before Easter, you watch, just as sure as I'm sitting here, CNN, Fox, Time Magazine, Newsweek, you're going to start seeing so-called Christian scholars questioning the resurrection, questioning Jesus, the death. A lot of times that's that's the argument. Well, you know, the... There was no resurrection because he was never really dead. That's one of the main arguments. He didn't really die. They thought he was dead, but he wasn't dead. No, everybody knew he was dead. There was no question about him being dead. The only question was, what happened then? Where'd he go? Because they couldn't produce his body. They couldn't figure out, you know, okay, he died. We buried him. But what happened? We don't know what happened. Because people just found it too crazy and ridiculous. I mean, they still do. The idea that he actually came back from the death—it's just—it's just absurd. That just never happens. It's never happened before. It couldn't possibly. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so people write it off, don't understand it, therefore don't believe it. Simple as that. There's no doubt in their minds that Jesus had died. The only problem was Paul was saying that he was alive. How could that possibly be? You know, Paul actually wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians fifteen six about the resurrection. He said, the resurrected Jesus, the risen, the risen Christ, appeared at one time to more than 500 men, most of whom, Paul said, are still alive. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Robert has much more to teach us from the pages of God's Word on the next edition of Main Thing Radio. Before we go today, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider joining us in moving the Word of God forward through financially contributing to Main Thing Radio. Here's Pastor Robert to tell you more. I love that God's Word is moving through the nation and that all of us here at Main Thing Radio get to be a part of that. Producing quality editions of this program does incur costs, however, and that's where we're asking for your help generous financial support from believers like you make these broadcasts possible. For donations of $20 or more, I'd like to say thank you by sending you a copy of my wife Elizabeth's book, 
Come Fill the Gap, 30 Days in the Song of Solomon. This isn't a self-help book, rather it's a renewing of a passionate relationship with Jesus through a month-long study of the pages of the Song of Solomon. If you'd like to contribute to the ongoing teaching of God's Word here at Main Thing Radio, just click on the Donate button at the top right of the MainThingRadio.com webpage. Thanks, Pastor Robert, and thank you for prayerfully considering joining us in this way. Pastor Robert will continue to share God's Word with us on the next edition of Main Thing Radio.